Now, Norman, you know I love telling stories about gnarly injuries, and I have one for you today, but this one has a twist in the tale. Okay, I'm listening. So about a year or so ago, I was at a family barbecue, and one of the gents there was on crutches. His leg's in a brace. He's got this massive scar down the outside of his thigh. His name's Craig. He's in his mid-60s, and he'd always been just a really fit and active guy, so naturally everyone wants to know what happened to him. Well, what happened to him? So I know you've renovated some houses in your time. He fell from the third step of a ladder, so not that high. This is why I never go up ladders. <laughs> Spiral fracture of the femur, mm. which is probably one of... I hadn't ever sort of considered one, and now it's another thing to fuel my nightmares. Horrendous break, super painful, months of recovery. But while they were in there doing a million different x-rays and scans of his hip and leg, they caught an image of his bladder on the same scan, that showed cancer, mm. completely unexpected. And so along with recovering from a nightmarish injury, he's also reeling from a cancer diagnosis, having to have treatment for that. And so that's bad, but he's also kind of thanking his stars that because of this injury, they were able to catch the cancer. Um, now it's time for a dad joke. I mean, it was a lucky break. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, anyway, going to leave that one right there. That's, it's just one of those stories that stayed with me since I first heard it because it feels like one of those really cautionary tales. So I went out to Craig's place last week and I got him and his wife, Vicky, to tell me the full story. It was in the radiologist's report, which was not raised with me at all. I first saw that report when I got my discharge papers and I was just sitting on the couch sort of as I did for weeks and weeks. Um, I thought I'll read through this report, be interesting to see what's in there. And the first thing the radiologist said was you know, a spiral fracture of the femur. Uh, and second point was there's some unidentified calcification in the bladder. Um, full stop. I wouldn't even know how to interpret that. Like, what did you make of it when you saw it? I just thought, what's, yeah, is that just something that's, from getting a little bit old, um, didn't know, but I had an appointment with the GP and I took the report with me and said, you know, what's this mean? And he said, oh, look, we need to sort of investigate further. Ultimately ended up seeing a urologist. The CT scan showed that there were growths on the bladder wall. The urologist was fairly relaxed about it, I think, but you know, that's their day-to-day -day job, I suppose. Then there was some more results that came through and he said, no, it's going to be an operation to remove these, these cysts. Until he actually did it, he was referring to them as cysts. And in, in my mind, I thought, oh, well, it's okay, that's not cancer. But it was after he'd done the operation and taken them out and had them tested, he said, yeah, it's high-grade cancer. That wasn't a good day. Pretty traumatic. Yeah. Had you had any symptoms? No, no. And that was the scary, that was that was the weird thing about it. I had no symptoms whatsoever. Was there any ever any discussion about not doing anything? Like did no. they discuss what would have happened if you hadn't taken No, not really. I didn't yeah. didn't ask the question. We didn't talk about that, did we? Oh. He wouldn't have survived long term without the treatment. Oh, they said that to you. Once it gets into the blood wall, it then spreads. You know, he said, these have to come out. I said, fine, let's do it. Yeah. I found three more. And then sort of pretty quick smart, he says, oh, look, 
when are you free to come back to, uh, to take these out? I said, oh, next month's pretty good. And he said, no, no, next week. Yikes. Do you think about what would have happened if you hadn't fallen? Oh, I'd probably be still sitting here today, happy as Larry, thinking I'm a healthy, healthy buck that's, you know, invincible and probably... It's gone through your bowel. Yeah, I'd be limited time frame. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose, I don't know how quickly it would have shown itself. But scary, scary, mm. I think. So it turns out there's a term for this type of chance finding on a scan. It's called an incidentaloma. And while in Craig's case, he's confident that identifying this cancer early was a win, the data tells us that more often than not, incidentalomas lead to interventions that can cause more harm than good to patients, as well as wasting resources. That's according to a recent article in the Medical Journal of Australia. One of its authors is Ian Scott, who was inspired to write the piece in part because of a patient whose story wasn't quite as happy as Craig's. And the radiologist noted that he had a lesion in the tail of his pancreas and that then raised the possibility, well, could this be pancreatic cancer? Unfortunately, these sorts of lesions aren't amenable to biopsies, so you really have to excise them totally which means that uh, he then had to have a open operation, uh, removal of his pancreas and a rediversion of his, uh, some of his biliary ducts. The histology of the lesion that was removed showed that it was an adenoma. It did have some high-grade dysplastic features. In other words, some of the cells were looking a little precancerous, but nevertheless, it wasn't a cancer as such. But unfortunately, this man then didn't do well because um, he then developed malabsorption syndrome because the pancreas was removed. Uh, he developed type 2 diabetes as a result. He lost a lot of weight and his quality of life really then became quite poor when previously, prior to the operation, he was doing quite well. So this was an incidental finding. People weren't looking for pancreatic cancer, but they found this lesion. Uh, this led then to all this invasive procedure um, and the patient then perhaps not having anywhere near a good outcome as was hoped. And I just thought it raised the question of what do we do with these incidental findings given that we're using more imaging modalities such as CT scans, PET scans, etc. that can pick up a lot of things that previously we wouldn't have picked up. What do we do with these incidental findings? This is a wicked problem and there's certainly been cases where x-rays have been done, findings of a lesion that's incidental have been acted upon and uh, it's been found that this patient was actually harboring an early cancer. So you could argue, well, that's a win-win in the sense that the patient has been prevented from having a more advanced malignancy that uh, perhaps had a much poorer outcome. That sort of situation is more the exception rather than the rule. So my concern is that uh, we're picking up a lot of incidental findings which are relatively benign, uh, which aren't necessarily progressive cancers at all, and yet radiologists and referring clinicians are then left with the question, well, how far do we go here? Should we intervene? Should we do a biopsy? Uh, should we take the lesion out altogether? Should we do more follow-up scans and see what happens and whether this is progressive over time? So it then adds a lot more downstream actions that uh, previously we weren't confronted with because the imaging just wasn't being done. I mean, what we always want is evidence-based care. What is the early evidence telling us about how finding more of these things, like we know that that number's gone up, has mortality gone down in the organ systems that those findings are related to? Yes, that's a good question. The evidence would suggest no. We're not really changing the mortality rate from cancer, whether you look at adrenal cancer or ovarian cancer, thyroid cancers, cancers of different organs. It's all this extra imaging and picking up incidental findings. Is this making a difference to the case fatality rate or to the overall population mortality rate due to these cancers? And the evidence would suggest that no, it's not. 
So I think we do have to then ask ourselves, well, what are we actually achieving here in actually intervening in many of these cases? So what are you calling for? What needs to change? Well, I think, first of all, we should just be a little conservative in our imaging. Obviously, if we do less imaging, then we're not going to have as many incidental omas to deal with. I think the second step is that we need to just look at if something is found, an incidental loma on the x-ray, well, then what is the best evidence to guide us in determining is this likely to be a cancer or not? And what should the action be in relation to then either imaging this patient again or intervening? We know that you know there are certain risk factors for cancers. So the first thing is to ask in this patient, do they have risk factors that would suggest that this incidental finding, what seems to be a lesion, could it be cancer? So in other words, if the patient is a smoker, if they've had previous history of various cancers, uh, if there's a family history of cancer, for example, well, in that sort of situation, you'd be a little more suspicious that this could be an early cancer and you may then want to be a little more aggressive. But if none of those risk factors um, exist and if the radiological findings, in other words, the morphology, the location, the size, etc., of the lesion would suggest this is benign in a patient who's otherwise asymptomatic and has no other risk factors for cancer of that particular organ, then I suggest, well, the report should read this is very likely to be a benign lesion and we would not recommend any further action at this stage. This is not easy sometimes to accept. People would always err on the side of caution and perhaps think, well, even if there's a 5% chance that this is a cancer, should we do something? But I think we can be reasonably confident uh, based on risk factor profiling, the morphology and the size and location of the lesion, and also helped, I think, by machine learning as well, applied to radiology imaging, which I think also is now developing characteristics of what is a cancer versus a non-cancer, for example, then I think we can then um, be a little more conservative in our reporting and reassure patients and GPs that uh, this is more than likely to be benign. And that's a good outcome for the patient. It is good and, you know, evidence-based is the gold standard, but it is hard psychologically when you hear stories of those like really unusual lucky breaks, your brain holds onto them and kind of almost lifts them above what the data actually shows. You're absolutely right, and that's why this is a wicked problem. And uh, you know, my colleagues uh, have certainly have said the same thing in various cases that we discuss from time to time. Wasn't this a good outcome? Yes, it was, but I think we also need to perhaps better appreciate there is a downstream, a negative effect. You could argue that uh, in this particular man's case, the imaging didn't suggest that he had any localised invasion or spread of this lesion. We need to bear in mind this man's in his mid-70s. And although he was physically fit, he did have some other medical problems. And I think we have to understand, well, what's their life expectancy? What's the quality of life that this patient currently has? Also, their preferences too. Do they want us to do an open operation? Well, obviously, in this man's case, he must decide that, yes, he did want to take it out, didn't want to um, take any risk. But nevertheless, I think when you reflect on cases like that, uh, then you perhaps, uh, when you have a similar case come along next time, then perhaps you'd uh, at least think twice about whether we should intervene or not. Mm. What we need is some longitudinal studies of incidental omas. In other words, rather than intervening, whether we could try to get more long-term cohort studies that suggest, right, if we follow this person like the 75-year-old I was talking about, what would be the outcome? We really don't know what the natural history of these uh, incidental omas are. And because everyone's always worried about cancer, then we tend to intervene. So we really never find out, well, what is the natural history? It would be nice to have some more cohort studies and perhaps even controlled trials where, okay, if we have, again, in that man of 75, or this is more difficult to mount, we do a trial where, okay, we randomise patients with similar incidental omas to either intervention or no intervention. And then, again, look at the outcomes and see what happens. I think that's going to be more difficult to do, mind you. 
And I think that uh, in terms of some of the radiology societies, that's what they're trying to do, is to develop patient registries. So I think that will help us in defining the natural history of some of these lesions. Ian, thanks so much for joining me. That's right, Tegan. Thank you. Ian Scott is Director of Internal Medicine and Clinical Epidemiology at the Princess Alexandra Hospital in Brisbane and Professor in Clinical Decision-Making at the University of Queensland. Yeah, fascinating research. I mean, Ian's really been a pioneer of evidence-informed medicine in Australia and does amazing work like this. But, I mean, there's this trend, Tegan, towards... So your friend Craig had an X-ray that he needed to have... And um, But some people choose to have x-rays and scans. And the rate of incidental omas can be anything up to 40% in scans. And people are going off for whole body MRIs as part of annual checkups, thinking this is going to be good for them. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard people say that before. It's like, just get in, tell me what's in there, get it out. Not sort of realising that there's always a trade-off. Indeed. I mean, there's a role for whole body MRI and growing role for cancer surveillance when you've already got cancer or if you've got cancer, they want to stage it to see how far it's spread, but not as a screening test where you're just randomly looking. And also, um, radiologists can miss stuff. If they don't know that you've got a pain in your tummy or you've got this particular symptom, the radiologist actually might be distracted looking elsewhere and not going for the money in a sense. And so so whole body MRIs, there's, there's zero evidence that they're going to be of any good. I mean, and also... There's the issue of existing tests and where they're going for diagnostic tests. Do you actually need an imaging test and is it right? So, for example, if you've got a pain in the knee and there's no, there's no you know, what they call red flags where mm. you're losing weight or you've got a fever and that sort of thing, the right X-ray to have is a standing X-ray of your knee, a weight-bearing X-ray. But people get sent off for MRIs of the knee and MRIs of the back when you've got spinal, when you've got back pain. And that just shows up stuff you don't want to know and <laughs> makes no difference to the severity of the disease. Yeah, you think you want to know what's there, but it turns out that it's not always the best thing. No. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.